Welcome to IB Talk, the leading podcast for the insurance industry across Canada, brought to you by Insurance Business. This episode is presented in partnership with CNA Canada. In the latest episode of IBC Talk, Luke Sampson, underwriting specialist and manufacturing industry lead at CNA Canada, and Barry Martin, senior risk control consultant at CNA Canada, join us to discuss the state of Canada's manufacturing sector after the COVID-19 pandemic and the role of insurance brokers in helping manufacturing clients succeed. everyone and welcome to IBC Talk, the Insurance Business Canada podcast. I'm Bethan Moorcraft, Senior Editor at Insurance Business and in this episode we're going to focus on Canada's manufacturing sector, analysing the state of the market post-pandemic, the evolution of the sector with new technologies and the role of insurance brokers in helping manufacturing clients succeed. It's a big topic which requires a lot of expertise and with that I am delighted to welcome two market leaders from CNA Canada We'll really dig deep into this topic today. I'm joined by Luke Samson, underwriting specialist and manufacturing industry lead, and Barry Martin, one of CNA's senior risk control consultants. Luke, Barry, welcome to the show. Hi, Bethany. Nice to be here. Great. So, Luke, I'm going to turn to you first. Please, can you give us an overview of the state of the manufacturing market in 2022? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I would say the the state of the manufacturing market is uh, certainly one of uh, transition. Uh, so manufacturers are beginning to show signs of rebounding from the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, both in terms of stabilizing revenue and, uh, you know, more of that normalized consumer demand for their product. Uh, in turn, the insurance market is also showing signs of opening up with most markets now putting an emphasis on growth and capacity slowly uh, returning to the marketplace. And while I would say that certain pockets in the manufacturing space do remain hard, I think that uh, 2022 is ushering in a certain amount of optimism, uh, which is obviously very welcoming news for Canadian manufacturers in general. Yeah, that's great to hear. Um, Obviously, this sector was impacted hard by the COVID-19 pandemic. Barry, what do you think were some of the major takeaways from the pandemic and and what can the market take forward from the time and use positively now to its advantage? Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Bethan. Um, I think there's a number of takeaways from the pandemic. Uh, First and foremost, COVID-19 really did expose just how globally integrated and in turn fragile supply chains for most manufacturers really are. Shortages in raw materials and component parts force Canadian manufacturers to scramble in finding new sources of supply as government shutdowns in various jurisdictions took effect. This ultimately led to supply cost increases, making it more expensive for companies to make their product. Business continuity plans were also significantly tested during this time, even as demand for Canadian product stayed level or even increased depending on the product itself. covid didn't just stop at raw material disruptions. It also significantly led to shipping delays, whether it was due to travel restrictions at border crossings, shortages of packing materials, even shipping containers were difficult to get a hold of. All in all, the COVID-19 pandemic really tested business resiliency plans of most manufacturers. Going forward, the resulting effects of of supply chain disruptions will continue to be felt long after the pandemic has passed. 
Yeah, I would uh, I would echo uh, Barry's sentiments as well. I just had a, an, another big takeaway um, that we've had is is how the COVID nineteen pandemic has affected insurance to value, uh, both in terms of replacement costs for uh, real property, uh, but also for uh, for production machinery and equipment. And I, I think this really does go hand in hand with Barry's commentary on supply chain, uh, given the lack of skilled labor in the marketplace and uh, obviously the ongoing supply chain disruptions, the cost to rebuild a, a partially damaged facility or um, replace a, a key piece of production equipment has really, uh, really skyrocketed over the past few years. And the lead times for replacement of key equipment has also uh, been significantly delayed. This situation has left a, a vast number of manufacturers with inadequate valuations and, and I really do believe it's something that we need to uh, to address in the industry. And then uh, to, to end, I, I guess, on a, on a positive takeaway, if I may, um, all of these challenges we've discussed really does show how amazing and, and resilient the manufacturing industry in this country really is. Uh, over the, over the, the two plus years of the uh, pandemic, we saw manufacturers deal with all sorts of challenges. Um, you know, from the from the government shutdowns to decimated supply chains uh, to the delay in getting their manufactured product out to market. And given all of these challenges, the industry was still largely able to find its way uh, by keeping their revenue stable, uh, by finding new sources of supply and continuing their R&D um, activities, along with a continued commitment towards quality control. And this was accomplished with obviously the ultimate goal being to keep employees safe in an environment of uh, both uncertainty and uh, and anxiety. So all in all, um, <clears throat> you know, what, what a truly tremendous achievement and one that I really think needs to be celebrated. Mm -hmm. That's really great. And and I mean, truly all Canadians benefit from that. So it's uh, it's great that it's managed to to keep going. Um, now, the pandemic, one thing I often hear is that, you know, the pandemic has really accelerated digitalization. Um, intelligent manufacturing has been on the rise in the last few years. Can you tell us a little bit about the new technologies that are involved in that and perhaps some of the risks they're creating? Uh, Barry, I'll come to you first. Great. Thanks, Bethan. Yes, indeed. Uh, intelligent manufacturing has certainly expanded in the last few years. The expectation is that it or at least parts of it will be further utilized as manufacturers try to streamline and become more efficient in their overall production. For context, intelligent manufacturing is largely the integration of automation, artificial intelligence, and advanced manufacturing technologies, all supported by advanced data analytics. This creates an improved and optimization of the overall manufacturing processes within, uh, within our church facilities. The end results allows companies to provide a greater customization within their process lines while maintaining minimal lead times. Obviously, intelligent manufacturing brings with it a large amount of excitement and optimism. However, given both the concept and actual technology itself is still in its infancy, intelligent manufacturing brings with it a fair share of exposure. Yeah, and I, I would likely just add to that that, um, you know, automated machinery and robotics are increasingly uh, being used by manufacturers to ramp up production and to remove that human error from their production lines. Uh, these machines are becoming much more customized and much more sensitive and, and in turn uh, much more expensive. 
the end result being that a key piece of production machinery can be extremely difficult to replace. Uh, obviously, this can have an impact not only in the cost to replace the equipment, but will also affect how long a manufacturer may experience an interruption to their business, uh, either being shut down completely or forced to operate at a reduced capacity. And now you can imagine uh, an entire facility full of this type of equipment. Uh, the reduced need for space brings with it a much higher aggregation of values. So even a minor fire event could cause uh, extreme loss potentials given the sensitivity of certain machines to the resultant smoke damage. And then we can also get into some of the third party concerns when it comes to intelligent manufacturing. Again, with uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning still in its infancy, as uh, Barry had mentioned, we, we do need to be careful in our understanding of quality control through the entire manufacturing process, especially given the end goal of being able to produce these large volumes of customized goods with uh, very little to no human interaction. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. The other thing you know, that comes with advances in technology potentially some issues around data collection and analysis. Um, Luke, there are risks here too that need to be addressed, aren't there? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so intelligent manufacturing relies on huge amounts of data and uh, analytics. And most, if not all of the systems and equipment are interconnected through an IoT or an Internet of Things based system. Uh, so given the rise of cyber related crime, extortion and social engineering, uh, companies will need robust and effective cybersecurity protocols in place in order to ensure that their information and the personal information of others is, is well protected. Yeah, thank you. Now, switching over to another very important topic. So following the pandemic, consumer expectations are now higher than ever. I think that's fair to say. So this is placing added emphasis on output quality. And um, can you tell us a bit about where you're seeing claims rise currently, uh, Luke? Yeah, absolutely. So in, in, speak, in speaking with our claims team, uh, the biggest issue that they've seen is the severe fluctuation in the value of equipment. Uh, so traditionally, brokers and insureds may have depreciated the value of their equipment by a certain percentage uh, year over year. Uh, this may no longer be the case as equipment will now uh, will hold its value longer and in certain instances may even increase in value. Uh, so brokers and insureds really do need to do their research to ensure that uh, that they're insuring to value, especially if the policy carries some type of coinsurance penalty or policy limitation. Um, there's also longer lead times to repair damaged equipment and longer lead times to replace equipment that has been deemed as a, as a total loss. Uh, brokers and their clients will want to ensure that they have sufficient business income coverage in place and, uh, and that, it, that this coverage will cover off on, on any delay that they might experience. And then finally, uh, when claims do occur, policyholders really want to know that the adjusting team and any subsequent restoration professionals are following those safety protocols related to the pandemic, <clears throat> such as ensuring that people who are sick are, are not coming onto their site. Mm -hmm. and, and with all that in mind then, Barry, how can brokers in particular help address these issues with their clients? Yeah, thanks, Bethan. Um, really, complacency here is the biggest enemy. Um, manufacturing is not simply one building or one company producing a product. 
It's a multi-level interwoven web of raw material suppliers, various component subassembly fabricators, all the way to the finished product rolling off the assembly lines of the OEM manufacturing facilities. Supporting maintenance, repair, and replacement services then become involved in the continued operation of the, uh, of the original product produced by the OEM. It is a finely tuned orchestra, which varies in size from regional, provincial, to global scale. Some disruption, disruption events can occur from time to time. These events typically in the past have been compensated through a network of multiple suppliers, buffer inventories, added production capacity through outside service contractors, or simply working ahead of planned delivery timelines. Yeah, and, and just to add to that, Barry, um, COVID-19 really did also point out how complacency resulted in these extensive manufacturing networks falling into shortages or disorganization or slowdowns or, or even um, simply shutting down entirely. Uh, the complex nature of these manufacturing networks has also proven to be much more difficult with longer timelines to have to try to reestablish them. So as an example of this, um, you know, the, the reduced demand and slowdown of manufacturing during the pandemic, pandemic uh, resulted in some equipment uh, being forced to sit idle or working below capacity. Uh, many production machines and equipment are, are really not intended to be sitting idle for long periods of time. These idle periods can result in damage inside the machine, uh, which might require unique inspection, service, or, or repair before they're actually put back into operation. Overall, my best advice for brokers is to meet with their clients and plan on a longer and more detailed in-depth discussion with them. The review must include current and existing processes in addition to any future production or expanded capacities typically talked about in the past. The topics should include a full review of supply chain management, maintenance practices of existing equipment, plans for, ex uh, plans for replacing or updating outdated equipment, uh, establishing alternative third-party production support capability, evaluation of critical spare inventories, locating potential warehouse capabilities, and even updating existing staff skills and knowledge. For instance, um, an electric motor or on a process machine may have been easily obtained in the last three years. Today, however, it could take months to obtain that piece of equipment and require a specialized skill set of, of individuals to install. Another example, alternative raw material suppliers may have had lots of capacity two years ago, but now they really have no capacity or have sadly closed their doors during or following the pandemic. 100% Barry, like this really does go to show just because it worked and was established and could be replaced quickly two years ago, doesn't necessarily mean that it will in, in 2022 or, or even beyond that. Mm -hmm. So success in this sector, like all others, requires a strong broker underwriter relationship. Um, Luke, what would you say are some of the major pain points in this area as it relates to the manufacturing sector? And how can those pain points be put right? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I would probably first say that the broker underwriter relationship is really uh, the most essential factor in good faith negotiations, which is really the backbone of any insurance transaction. A, a certain level of trust needs to be built up between these two parties, uh, you know, that the broker is going to provide the level of accurate information required for an underwriter to make those critical decisions and for an underwriter to be upfront as, as possible when it comes to items such as appetite and capacity 
and obviously the ability to meet uh, pre-agreed upon deadlines. Open and honest communication is really critical, absolutely essential actually. And in my experience, uh, the workloads for both underwriters and brokers are really at an all-time high. Accounts are becoming much more complicated and the sheer amount of information that needs to be gathered and disseminated, especially on new business transactions, can be absolutely staggering. Uh, brokers should really do their very best to get out in front of accounts and penetrate the market as much with as much lead time as, as uh, possible. And now in saying all this, obviously, I'm, I'm very well aware that not all accounts are blessed with that ample lead time afforded. However, uh, more effective communication can always be approved upon, in my, in my opinion, and uh, it, it can really help to improve those broker-underwriter relationships. Thanks, Luke. That's great. Um, so I want to build on that and just ask for some tips. Um, so, so Barry, I'll start with you. What tips would you offer for to our broker audience looking to succeed in the manufacturing sector? Yeah, um, the first tip that we would give is, is really to make sure brokers understand their clients' operations. Understand not only where the operations currently stand, but what the insurance has planned for the next year, the next three years, or even the next five years. Yeah, just to add to that, in my experience, the, the most successful brokers are the ones that have an account placed with the market, uh, which can do the operations now, but are also positioned to continue with the account as it grows or changes over time. I would also recommend having a, a workable understanding of the insured supply chain, uh, how it might have been impacted by COVID-19, how it's uh, currently being rebuilt and what preparations are in place for the next global pandemic, uh, war or, or some other future catastrophe. By understanding the supply chain, the broker can also get a, a much better understanding if all of the client's ne uh, insurance needs are, are currently being addressed or, or if improvements are, are needed to be made. Yeah, yeah, thanks Luke. Um, and, and secondly, I guess uh, we would recommend and, re and reviews are made in relation to the insured's building and equipment valuations. Again, the cost and lead times to repair buildings or replace uh, equipment has increased drastically over the last few years. And, and we really don't know how long the situation's uh, going to last for. Yeah, I, I would definitely echo that. Um, reviewing valuations can really help the, the client take stock of their asset listing and ensure that they're comfortable with the limits being declared and are, are fully aware of any coinsurance or related limitations on their policy. And then finally, um, and as we mentioned earlier, we would recommend that brokers work on forging as close of relationships as they can with their underwriters. At the end of the day, the, the broker-underwriter relationship should always be seen as one of collaboration and partnership. Our end goal as an industry should always be to give um, comprehensive coverage to our clients at a price that's commensurate with the exposures present, uh, but also to assist our clients with strategies to help reduce or mitigate the effects of a loss on their business. That's what we're here for. Yeah, that's great. Luke, Barry, thank you very much. Um, lots of great tips and takeaways for our broker audience there. Um, I think that's a great place to wrap this up today. Uh, so thank you both very much for coming on the show. It's been a fantastic conversation. Thanks for having Thanks, us. Bethan. Thanks also to our listeners for tuning in. I'm Bethan Moorcraft, Senior Editor at Insurance Business. Make sure you check out the rest of our podcasts, IBTV episodes and daily news at www.insurancebusinessmag.com forward slash CA. Thanks, everybody. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of IBC Talk. For more from Luke, Barry and the team at CNA Canada, visit them at www.cnacanada.ca. Thank you for listening to IB Talk. For the latest episodes, be sure to follow us on SoundCloud, Stitcher and Apple Podcasts.